0: Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project, and I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to ju 3 projectorg and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Thank you for watching another episode of the G 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the G 3 Project. And today I'm joined by two people who are no stranger to the Jew 3 Project, Dr. Christina Edmondson and
1: Akemena Yuan. Welcome. Thank you,
2: Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. thank you.
1: It's good to be here with you, my sister. Thank you for having us. It's good to have you
0: all. Y'all have been on here several times. Y'all have been a part of Courageous Conversations. Uh, so our audience, for the most part, should know who you are. But for those who don't know who you are, just
1: uh, give them a little introduction. Sure. My name's Akemini Uen. I am a public theologian and co-host of Truth Table Podcast and good friend of Lisa V. Fields. <laughs> Honored to be <laughs> her free. V
2: is for victory.
1: <laughs> yes, come on now. She's walking in victory.
2: Okay. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's Dr. Christina Edmondson. So Christina and um, uh, the the other host of the Truth Table podcast and um, background in psychology and higher ed um, and just excited to whenever Lisa calls, whether we can partner, we're like, yes, whatever you want us to do, Lisa, we got you. So um, we try not to break our plate. And so we're happy to be here today.
0: I'm glad to have you all, and I'm here to talk to you about your book. I have it. I don't have a physical copy with me yet, but I have it on my phone, the Truth Table. We don't either. <laughs> the Truth Table book, Black Black Women's Musing on Life, Love, and Liberation, um, and I know people have been wanting y'all to write a book for some time, so what what uh, what was the kind of deciding factor for y'all to go ahead and write it?
1: Well, the panini was absolutely a factor um, my,
2: my, my. My, my, you know my. the
1: pandemic that people are pretending is over, but you know um and so <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I would say even prior to the pandemic, uh I was approached by uh, Ashley Hong uh, uh, former editor at Penguin Random House to write a book um at that point, I had a book idea for my own solo book, but I had it it just wasn't yet time, you know um. But uh, the idea of coming up with the Troops Table book uh, was raised and I was like, oh, okay. And so, and and some other publishers have talked to us about, you know, the possibility of us doing a book just, but our time constraints and things just weren't, it just wasn't the time. You know, as the the children say, the kids say now, we weren't aligned, you know. And so, um, so, so yeah, so I guess you could say it was really honestly, um, the pandemic that really brought it to the fore for us, you know, our typically we were speaking at conferences and traveling a lot, each of us on planes, I don't know, like at least twice a month to go speak somewhere. And all of that was shut down because of the pandemic. And so it seemed to us to be the good time although hard time to write, but still because we were going to be in our homes um, during lockdown. And so we were like, you know what? Maybe it is time for us to switch gears and go ahead and start um, writing a book. And so that that deal came about in, I think, summer of 2020. Mm -hmm. And yeah, now we're here.
0: Yeah, and we're excited that you all are here. And and your book is a collection of essays from all of you. Um, Because it's a collection, I know there's part, probably a favorite one you have uh that you wrote. <laughs> tell us what your favorite one was and why
2: oh wow you well, that's an interesting assumption, Lisa that <laughs> you were like I'm sure there's a favorite. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe there isn't um so um if if I think about which which one pops out to me um as I don't know if I would say it's 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 my favorite, but it's it's more so the one that I felt like we needed we needed to start a conversation about, and that's about disciplining the church. Um, and I've had other people who've read the book and they don't. I guess they try to guess what they think my favorite one might be, <laughs> but it it is actually that one. I, I am. Um, I think we have a crisis of leadership and witness, and um, I just think we just have to start pushing into that conversation. Obviously. Uh, Christ alone uh, ensures the credibility and the perseverance of the church. If not, we would be done. Um, <laughs> but um, there are many, many ways that I think that we can respond to this moment and do some repairing. And so that's that is the one that I felt like I kind of I had to write um, and, and knowing that people are kind of lots of folks who are kind of done with the church. They're kind of post church. Um, I still wanted to enter that conversation. The church is not done with us. And God is not done with the church, and so I I still felt like I needed to say something and to start saying something. Because again, the book is a collection of musings, Um, and so um, and even in thinking about that word, it was an opportunity for us to start a conversation and not necessarily to end it. Uh, So it's not a definitive shut the door, but it's the it's the beginning of a conversation.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you, Akimini? What about you, Akimini?
2: Yeah,
1: uh, goodness, my favorite chapter you're making me kill my darlings here on Drew <laughs> 3 project no um you know i my favorite chapter i think that i wrote people assume that it's probably a singleness one but that's actually not it my my favorite chapter is actually um diaspora dreams mm. um uh blackness as the image of god that to me is i think the i think the most powerful chapter that i i wrote in that book in my opinion maybe some people might disagree that's fine <laughs> i think that one was really important um i think because we're i think we're at a critical juncture as a people um and i've said this before and i said this kind of in some writings even on mahogany mahogany just talking about how we're losing receipts mm-hmm. you know um there used to be a really really strong at least from our social location in the us <laughs> a strong pan african F- um, ethic, particularly where in the cent- when we're talking about justice movements and things. And I just think that we're losing a lot of that. Uh, I- I'm a child of the 90s. So I grew up on public enemy. <laughs> you know, I grew up, you know, on this old school hip hop that was very much, that very much understood our um, connection as Black people, as African people. Together, either on the continent and the diaspora, and I just think that we're losing a lot of that now with a lot of fissures going on. I'd say not not only because of uh, religious fissures, right, and people leaving their church, but I'd also think ethnic uh, of fissures that are going on uh, with the xenophobia that's going on, you know, between Black Americans and Africans and the diaspora wars online. Mm. And then I'd even say even across the gender lines, right? Between both Black men and Black women. Mm-hmm. there we are, We're at a critical juncture, I think, as a people. And which way are we going to go? Mm-hmm. Are we going to walk together? And the only way we can walk together is if we agree, mm-hmm. um, right? Uh, or are we going to go our separate ways, you know, and continue to, um, you know, to... to to hurt one another, mm-hmm. you know, with our words, mm-hmm. um, and with our thinking and with our ideology. And so to me, that chapter is really, in some ways, I think it's a subtle intervention. Mm-hmm. I don't, think it's, it's, it's actually not quite on, on the nose, like a very obvious mm-hmm. intervention. Like my other chapters are, there are, I do have another chapter in there that has like, all right, yo, these are my suggestions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this one is not like that, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, um, I'm forth telling about what awaits us mm-hmm. as a people, the reunification that awaits us, the restoration that awaits us, and our common bond and connection together mm-hmm. um, as a people. And so that chapter um, is my favorite one. Yeah,
0: I love that. I want to dive a little bit deeper into y'all favorite chapters. When you when you hear Dr. Edmondson, uh, when when people hear disciplining the church, some people i mean i know it to be the case because when we did why i don't go people are upset uh <laughs> when you talk anytime you bring criticism to the church and what we could do better there's kind of this sometimes dismissiveness that comes with it from people in the church how do we overcome that uh because in order to to repair something you have to realize that it's it's actually broken um how do, how do we kind of get people to that space
2: yeah so i mean so so there is enough grace to tell the truth and i think that when we avoid truth it is an indictment on our belief about grace um and so you know ultimately um christians have the end of the we have we've been given the end of the story as as something to encourage us and by the end of the story i mean We have been given kind of this um, eschatological imagination of of what is to come. So we we know what's at the finish line. Uh, It's the stuff in between it that we're like, you know, this is crazy and we're tired, right? So, But we've been given a vision of what is to come, and it is because we have hope in what is to come, what has been secured for us uh, by Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, that we can tell the truth right now, like my, my, my telling the truth about the fact that we have a credibility issue, that we have, a, that we have some leadership development issues, um, mm-hmm. that we can use power to safeguard ourselves instead of to give it away as Jesus models. Mm-hmm. So telling, I can tell the truth about that because I know that in telling the truth, it's not going to shatter what God has promised for us. Um, and so and, and I and not, not only as we talk about the church, but just in any matter of of hurt, injustice, abuse, um, the truth does not does not shatter something, <laughs> does not shatter something that doesn't already need to be shattered. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, with that being said, I know that there are those who have been deeply hurt, you know, truly hurt um, by people who represent uh, the collective community of Christians. And I imagine there are people who might say, well, if you talk about this then people will feel like they have more and in, more incentive, so to speak, to um, not not participate in, in the life of the church, the local church, um, the, the visible church per se. Um, but I actually think that we gain credibility by by saying what is obvious. <laughs> I don't trust people who can't say what's obvious. I really don't. Like, you know, if something is broken and dysfunctional and we're like, it's okay, you're not going to get, you're certainly not going to get my trust. Mm-hmm. But people who are able to say, I understand why you are hurting and I hurt too, or this is what I've experienced, but just, just tell me more. Um, th- those are people who I think demonstrate that they have um, the ability to read the room and they have the integrity, hopefully, to, to speak into what can be new. Um, so, mm-hmm. so anyway, that, that's how I would respond to that question, Lisa.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's helpful. There's enough grace to tell the truth. And I love what you talked about, um, Akemeni, in in your chapter. One of the reasons I think it's so vital is because racism has painted Black people as a monolith. And you're dismantling that because that robs us of our humanity and our individuality. um, When we are all thought of as, oh, those are the Black people, without realizing there's different uh, backgrounds different nationalities um so I think it's really really important for you that you wrote that chapter because I think people need to know that um because we have to we have to know the differences in order to have that unification as you as you talked about
1: absolutely yeah I think um yeah the diversity you know within in blackness we always say it <laughs> and it sounds good in theory but it's like I, in that chapter i'm trying to actually bring it down in a way that's concrete mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can see like no these are the receipts mm-hmm. you know of, of our um our differences you know and that there's unity even in diversity mm-hmm. you know um we're black and we are beautiful, mm-hmm. and that's great, you know. Um, but where where can we continue to how how can we learn from one another in our various so- social locations? Even when we're black in America, we have different social mm-hmm. locations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're in Florida, I'm in Maryland. Um, Christina's in Nashville. We have to, and we have, and that's not, that doesn't mean that's exactly where we're from mm-hmm. either, right? Mm-hmm. I I got West Coast mm-hmm. roots, you know. And then if you want to take it back further, I got Nigerian mm-hmm. roots, mm-hmm. you know. And so how do all of these um, locations um, and how do, how does our social location shape who we are today, mm-hmm. how we see the world, how we see one another, um, and our commonality, um, if you will. And so to me, it was really, really important to be able to thread that needle and to make those connections, because I think um, far too often, and this is by design, um, there has been a chasm between Africans and African-Americans, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, obviously... This this was in play long before um, uh, any of us came mm-hmm. to be, you know, but this is what it is. And so how, to me, I thought it was really important for me, be, for me to be able to make those connections and to show that, y'all, we are mm-hmm. one. That's mm-hmm. not to erase our differences. That's not to erase um, the different entry points, you know, into the history mm-hmm. um, that we find ourselves into. I mean, in, but it is to say that, like, We belong to one Mm -hmm. another, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and we cannot um, continue to uh, um, regurgitate uh, these racist Mm -hmm. tropes, Mm -hmm. um, internalize them, right? And then regurgitate them in different ways that are very xenophobic and bigoted, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, toward one another, discriminatory, toward one Mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. And we have to be able to see um, our connection and our mutuality. As a people, and so I make that concrete when I'm talking about my own Ibibio ethnic um, connection in mm-hmm. history, mm-hmm. Um, and the Ibibio's connection to the transatlantic slave trade as well. Mm-hmm. Because there's too much, um, there's there's too much ignorance mm-hmm. on both mm-hmm. sides. I would say, by the way, both sides, um, whether whether on the continent or in the diaspora, about um, the concrete. African connections there's ways in which we disembody um enslaved Africans in the way that we talk about um slavery and I and I wanted to be able to put like nah like mm-hmm. these my people mm-hmm. <laughs> like and be able to make it very clear to people and I don't know that anybody um, at least at this point has been able to do that But because of my social location um I can do that and that it felt like a necessity and, and incumbent upon me mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. work
0: if you will yeah, and I think it's important because I, as as you were talking, I just thought about my first roommate when I was at uh, Liberty. She was a Nigerian um, and just came over for school, and she was talking about like the negative thoughts she had towards African American men, and even to the point where she was discouraged from dating them by her family, um, and had like these negative viewpoints. But she was she was trying to date a white man. So she she felt like a white guy was better than an African American guy, and then I met a girl that was from the Caribbean, and her dad told her not to marry an African American uh, male. And so it was just interesting the the negative views from people that are
1: black that have on African Americans. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think it is important not to derail the conversation, but I do also think it's important to understand that, first of all, Nigerian is a colonial name. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, (laughs) The very fact that Nigerians are speaking English is evidence of colonialism. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's just things that we just don't concretely even make. Make very these are very obvious things, but you don't you know, but you just take it's so normative, right? And so you just don't even think about it. Um, but you got to think about it. these are people that have been snatched, right? In the tra- they have that history of the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade being snatched away from family, land, culture, all of those things. But then also, uh, that's not to say that there's not cultural retention. I'm just I'm just naming the things that were stolen, mm-hmm. um, or the elements you know that were stolen, and then also not only stolen, but then these people were colonized, mm-hmm. okay? And so whoever wasn't taken was colonized, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and enslaved really on their own land. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the colonial mentality and what we call colo mentality is strong. Mm-hmm. It is deep, you know, um, and it, it has very real, very, very real implications, things. And I, I also kind of make some of those pretty, um, I, I think pretty clear connections as well and I think the decolonized discipleship chapter after a while you'd be like wait did I say it in this chapter or did I say it in that chapter <laughs> it's in there. it's in the book pre-order the book
0: <laughs> <laughs> no that's helpful and you let me write to my next uh, essay because I was going to decolonize uh, discipleship but I was also going to tie that in with uh, a term that Christina coined before we started which was I don't want to mess it up. So Oh. So oh, so uh,
2: trauma hermeneutics, right? <laughs> trauma hermeneutics. <that's> really <laughs> trauma right. hermeneutics, right? Yeah, so the ways in which uh you know, we um we see self, we see God, we see scripture through a through a lens that has been traumatized. And trauma trauma shifts the way that we see the world doesn't mean that we're somehow um, untrustworthy, right? Because sometimes, Mm -hmm. because the world, there are things that are legitimately traumatizing. Um, But if we're not aware of the ways in which our very real hurt and burdens impact um, us and the way that we interpret content, then it will be fear that does our theological interpretation. It'll be trauma that does our theological interpretation. It'll be kind of this dichotomous black and white thinking that does our theological interpretation. And Christ- Christianity is a religion of great, um, great complexity and paradox. So we hold many, many tensions together. It's one of the weaknesses I think of the Western church versus the Eastern church, is that uh, the, the kind of the Western mindset is incredibly black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And when we can't when we can't hold things that that are seemingly contradictory, we're like, chuck it. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. his ways are higher than our ways. God, God is, is greater than us. And there are greater paradoxes, there are paradoxes within, within, within the Christian within tradition. tradition. Um, and that's not to trip um, us that's up. To that's, trip us to up. Us that's to not. remind that's us to of to the, the us great, us great scope. So a kind of a, a traumatized hermeneutic will reach for, um, in addition to kind of a Western mindset, will reach for a very black and white way. Um, a very watch out danger way to interpret the faith, and that's a fear based interpretation. When we're called to a love based interpretation of Christianity,
0: mm-hmm. that's I think that's profound. And that's if we see I trauma, think that's profound and uh, if hermeneutic. If we see trauma, online, we see don't uh, give credit to hermeneutic hermeneutic online. we no, don't online. give credit. <laughs> <to>
2: <laughs> <by> <laughs> Black women <laughs> and 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 I if and if you're big mad about that, that likewise, likewise take that, that to Jesus take it to the lord we don't want to we don't
0: want to see a book yeah yeah with yeah. that name with, without this <laughs> it can, it happens every day. It hey, yeah 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 it yeah does.
2: yeah 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 i'm too i'm, I'm too, too tired, tired writing, to write it so yeah. i get it yeah.
0: <laughs> but they should at least give me credit if they're gonna use it as the book title
1: that's right say black
0: women yes, um Akemi, talk a bit about, I think that pairs well with your essay on decolonized discipleship. Talk a little bit about that because right now we're in a space where many people are trying to decolonize uh, their faith and their decolon, uh, their definition of decolonizing their faith leads them to a very um, they almost throw the baby, baby out with the bathwater. They uh, throw their faith out the window um, and think there's nothing good sometimes about the Bible and the, the things that we hold true about Jesus.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, so yeah. Decolonized discipleship. Um, this essay is a a remix (laughs) of an essay of the same title that I wrote a few years back. Well, maybe it wasn't a few years. Time is going now. So maybe about four years ago, I think I wrote it. Um, and I wrote, You know, at that time, so a couple things. I see what people so I make a distinction actually between decolonization and deconstruction. I just don't see them as the same um project. Mm -hmm. I know people use them uh inter synonymously. I just don't see them in that way. Mm -hmm. And even with decolonization, I even drill down a little bit further and talk about disentangling the faith <laughs> um, from sinful additives and colonial additives that have been added to the faith uh, that that mar our ability to see the beautiful light of the gospel, uh, which I believe is just a stumbling, that things that are a stumbling block to the gospel. And so originally when I wrote that, I was uh, responding to, at that time, the context, um, I had been a, a couple of years post-seminary, so I was just, um, responding to more of the racism that I saw um, in white evangelicalism and the way they, you know, try to, you know, you know, do what they do <laughs> to our people, to us, um, so in those spaces. And so that was what I was kind of sort of re- Re, uh, responding to, I feel like out of all the chapters, this is the one that actually reach it, reaches to the table, but beyond the table. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas everything else is straight up to the table to the sisters. But I do think this one goes beyond into the standing room section, folks. Mm-hmm. You know who are the non-black women, um, you know uh, that listen to Truth's Table or would read this book. And so, um, so I so now this pre, this kind of predates a lot of the. Big deconstruction movement initially. And so when I wrote this chapter, when I revisited it to remix it and to add and just to really expand on it, because I did expand big time, it's it's changed since I first started. Um, But originally, I put uh, Esther, Jesus, and France Fannin into conversation, and I still do put them in conversation in this chapter. Um, But I, you know, this time I'm also talking about the fallout from the, uh, Trump regime. Mm -hmm. And what are the wages of that? Mm -hmm. You know, what was the, the the impact of that on people, on people of color, on white folks too, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people have left the church and are still reeling and leaving the church because of the complicity of white evangelicals with regard, um, to that regime. And so I'm, I'm making the connections between conservative and progressives, Mm -hmm. um, uh, tying in their familial connections. And then also making a plea to black Christians, um, you know, to don't throw away the faith because of the legitimate, I'm I'm, I'm not legitimate, Mm -hmm. hurt, trauma, pain, abuse that you experience, Mm -hmm. you know, in those spaces, don't throw away Jesus. Don't let them take Jesus away from you mm-hmm. you know there are in America there are a lot of church options mm-hmm. so there is no like you know what I mean like when we stand before the Thrice holy God the excuse is not gonna be these people did me so wrong and so dirty <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying it's gonna be these are some other places and and hear me I'm not saying that um, you don't need time, you don't need time away you know from, from um, maybe those church spaces that harm you I'm not saying that don't hear me say that but I'm just saying, don't um, in your um, departure from the faith uh, or the church altogether you give credence to the false uh, 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 um, the false notion that white Christians have the corner market on Christianity mm-hmm. they do not you know and so when you leave and when you throw out the whole faith because that was the totality of your experience mm-hmm. you leave you lend credibility to that that myth if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so my plea is really to black folks, you know, to come to the black church, come to the black church. We need your insight. We need your help. (laughs) The black church ain't perfect, but the black church will, will recognizes your dignity and humanity and racism is off the table. Might be some other things on the table. (laughs) We are all in process. We're all in process. I'm in the black church, so trust me, it ain't perfect. But, 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 at least racism is off the table. And in a, and in a racist society, you need racism, to, you need racism to be off the table for a day and, and for four hours or for two hours, okay, in a, in a whole week. Okay, so, so I'm, those are the, those are some of the themes and the points and the arguments that I'm making in there. I do also talk about, you know, uh, misogyny and sexism and the, like, you know, that that's in there too. Cause that's a form of colonization too. Let's not, it ain't just racism, you know? Um, but those are the, the themes and the things that I'm wrestling with mm-hmm. in that chapter. I hope it'll be a blessing to the people. Yeah.
0: Um, well, we're almost out of time, but I, I just love, um, your, the subtitle life, Lib- love and liberation. Uh, that in itself to me is so powerful um why why did y'all kind of think that was the way to kind of encapsulate your work because those those two three things kind of go together um, and cause a, a
2: fulfilled life I think. I hope so. And so, so, I mean, we, so we, you know, we tend to, you know, the way the process of us naming things like naming our season, naming the podcast, naming the book is usually through conversation. And, and we, we knew that the book would probably have truth table in the primary title um, just from a, I think a marketing strategy standpoint. Um, But it was towards, I think uh, after we had written a, a lot of the drafts for the book that we, that we kind of mused around the, the subtitle. And I think for me, I I was like, this is what this book is. Like, I, I know that I'm writing, I am writing musings. I, part of it is that, you know, I come out of a higher ed space and I intentionally chose to write this book in a way in which my hope is that it stirs other people up to muse as well. So that, you know, and so, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not journal articles, it's not um, news articles. Uh, it is, um, it's a snapshot of into our brains and the way we piece together stories, thoughts, feelings and emotions So it really is musings. And then as, as we looked at the content that we wanted to share, it, it seemed to live in those two, two, th- I'm sorry, those three categories, those three buckets, right? Life, love, and liberation. And so, with that being said, there's, you know, Kimmy and I, we, we, you know, and Michelle, we, you know, we've talked about like there are probably like fifteen other chapters, other topics (laughs) that we could have, like, you know, if I, if I, if I had, if I had a book part two, which I don't have the strength and to write, but (laughs) if I had at this present moment in my life, but I mean, there would, I would probably have an entire chapter on what it means to be um, a a black woman navigating um, corporate spaces, higher ed. Uh Being the only one in the room, like, like that that is deserving of its own musing its own treatment, and so that that's really how that those topics came to be and the other piece I would say, Lisa is that um when we get to, when you get to the very end of the book when we all have our physical copies that'll be beautiful in our hands um the very end of the book it it includes kind of a blank a blank chapter and it's for your musings. And, you know, as a teacher, the teacher in me is always like, you know, we teach so that you will then teach. (laughs) We share so that you will then share. And in as much as I can use my voice to then stop using it so that someone else can start using it, that's really my, my kind of pedagogy, my, my teaching disposition. And that's what we hope happens. We hope that you'll hear our musings, you'll be inspired, you'll yell back, you'll identify, you feel whatever you feel. But then when you get to that last, that those blank pages that say my musings. You are ready to share about life, love, and liberation, and then you can share it with your girlfriends and share it with your people. you know one day we're gonna have brunch again um and so you can share it around the table, but that is really our hope is that we want we try to facilitate an interactive not a not a static experience but something that brings us together and I gotta tell you, we really, really need to be brought together, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I love that. do you want to yeah, add anything uh, I honestly, yeah, sure so. Yeah. Life, love, and liberation. Uh, you know, honestly, at, at bottom and, at, uh, you know, um, at the root of it all, when I think about who I am at my core and even who Christina is at her core, we're evangelists. A lot of what we do for tr- Truth Table, getting the word with Truth Table, getting the word with us. Um, Truth Table, <laughs> Black Women's Musings on Life, Love and Liberation. Getting
2: the word. <laughs>
1: uh, getting the word and stay in the word because... Pre-order, Listen,
2: pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. Because we,
1: we down bad, y'all. Okay. So, <laughs> but we, these three things and a host, our discipleship group, we we do a lot of, you know, different ministries, um, components and arms to true stable, if you will, at this point now, uh, all of a sudden, um, is at the bottom, it's about evangelism at the end of the day, you know? And so life, love, and liberation, these, if you think about it, life, the colorism, forgiveness, um decolonization, uh, uh protest, a spiritual, you know, practice and worship, uh love, singleness, divorce, marriage for grown black women. Then you think about liberation, keys to the kingdom of God, diaspora dreams, reborn to resist. All areas, I think I remember all the chapters. Look at look at the Lord. You know, but but all areas that are stumbling blocks for people. You know, when you think about the parable and it talks about the parable of the sower and the seed that fell on the stony ground. And it talks about how um, the, the Bible talks about how, um, you know, the, the cares, you know, the person was, was going, the, you know, they were eager and it, it went into the soil. But the, the cares of this world choked out, you know, it right. choked out the faith. And isn't it on life? And isn't it on love? And isn't it on liberation that our people are falling away isn't it that life, you don't think that you're worthy enough? You don't think that you're pretty enough? You might think that there's a problem with your blackness because of this racist world. Isn't it that love, my marriage didn't work out? My husband was abusive or, 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 or I just didn't, I fell out of love with my husband or he fell out of my, isn't it that? Isn't it that? Oh, I'm not married and I've been faith in my way and I've been trusting and I've been holding out and I've been sold out and Jesus ain't come through yet. So what's the point? I mean, aren't these the these are the questions. These are the questions. Right. Black lives matter. Do they matter to God? Because I can't tell. We still oppress. We still ain't got voting rights. The anti lynching bill just got passed. And now that's antiquated because they're killing us with guns on video camera aren't these the questions aren't these the questions so how could we not write a book that's centered on life love and liberation i think it would have been irresponsible for us not to do that you know if we're midwives of culture for grace and truth then we got to talk about what's really real you know in people's real lives um and so anyway and talk about what god got to say about these things does god care really at the bottom a lot of the chapters does God care? And my answer is yes. It is what God got to say about these things from my vantage point. <laughs> so,
0: Amen. Well, is there anything else that we haven't talked about about the book that y'all want to share before we close out?
2: Well, I mean, you know, the the book is a collection of you know it's it's, it's three three distinct voices, and it's an opportunity for people who, you know, are the podcast listeners to kind of hear us, you know pontificate more deeply on, on on a particular topic that you may only get a teaspoon of, but it is an introduction also, um, and I think it's also a testimony of 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 friendship of community that can have you know different thoughts, different uh, experiences, and it, it it is like a buffet, it's like a hodgepodge of of experiences. As the was talking about, um, kind of her more diasporic oriented chapter, and you know it it is a snapshot of that 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 is that's a snapshot of even truth's table uh in terms of our own um, our own social locations and it and if you listen closely i always tell you, if you listen closely you'll see to what extent that we are products of the environments that have have shaped us um and and so i think i think you'll pick that up in the book and it's an opportunity i think again to hold up a mirror for people to do deep reflection not about so much on our words, because we don't, we're not the end all be all to all the things, but for them to be stirred up um, and to take their musings before God. Um, and, and we, and we want to hear their musings. I, I look forward to seeing what, how the book inspires other people, other people to think and to write.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. I think um, only thing I'd add about, you know, the book is just kind of like, um, I think what's unique about it is that it you're going to, I don't know, maybe other people say this all the time, but I think you're going to, it's an experience, right? And so oftentimes people, when they listen to Truth's Table, they say, I feel like I'm at the table with y'all. I just be cackling right along and everybody, I'm on the bus and people are looking at me like I'm crazy, you know, because I'm laughing about what y'all are talking about, you know, and you're talking about hard things, but you're you're able to do it in a way where, you know, people don't feel too heavy, Right. And so, um, and so, I think with this book, you're going to get the experience of that. And so, we've we've been able to, as best as we can, um, reduplicate that in the book and reproduce that, if you will, in the book. And so, you'll see the transitions between the different sections and our dialogue amongst each other. Um, and then, I, and then, you'll hear us reading our own words too, if you get the um, audio. Uh, book, you know, and that, that was, it was a collaborative process. Everybody wrote their own chapters, but when we went through through the editing process, we were literally on a zoom reading chapters and be like, stop, you know, rewind, say that again. Don't say that, don't say it that way, (laughs) literally, you know, so it was very collaborative, you know, in that way. And so I think that's kind of a fun thing about the book. And I just love that it's musings, right? So two years from now, we can change our minds on some things. Like we can, we can be like, Oh yeah, you know, I thought further about this and this is what I think now about that subject and there's room. I think that's why musings gives us Liberty. You know, this, this ain't the Canon, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is just, this is just an offering, you know, I, you know, to the church. And I just hope, I hope it's a blessing. I pray it's a blessing. Yeah. It's definitely
0: going to be a blessing to all those who get it and how can they get it? They need to pre-order
2: today.
1: Where do they pre-order? Yes, they do. They can pre-order <laughs> whatever. Bookshop, the Penguin Ever. Random House website. They can they can pre-order at Target, Walmart, Amazon. Like just pre-order y'all, run it hey. up. We need them pre-order because pre-orders really do matter y'all um, because it does signal to the power brokers um, and the institutions and publishers that the, the, the thoughts um, and particularly the thoughts of black christian women are important and we want more of this and so by putting in a pre-order you're saying i want this work and i want more of this work so y'all make sure (laughs) you know you give us more of this so your pre-orders really are so very important oh yeah you can also pre-order on our website sorry slash book (laughs) and subscribe to our podcast and get in the word with us (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> 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 and for those who you don't know, getting, their, getting the Word is their daily reading of the Bible yes. uh, that you can subscribe to on iTunes, mm-hmm. wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. So definitely subscribe to that and their podcast and follow them on social media um, at Truce Table. And then they have their individual mm-hmm. uh, hashtags as well. But I think that'll be under they'll be able to see that your individuals are. The yes, truth table
1: from well. true Statement. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Thank y'all for joining us. It's been an absolute pre- pleasure to have y'all. Make sure y'all pre-order the book. Um, and thank you for watching another episode of the G3 Project Podcast. Remember, you can catch all our past episodes on wherever you stream your favorite podcast or on YouTube channel. Get our curriculum through Eyes of Color. We have a new one coming out, Courageous Conversations, and we're excited about that. Remember, if you watch this episode before the conference, uh, register for our pastors and leaders conference. You can become a monthly partner at jude3project.org/backslash/donate. And remember, here at the Jude Three Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. Until next time, grace and peace, and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune in to all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged in the bible every single day you take a survey it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you bible verses based on those so it's a great app you can download the app by searching in your app store or google play searching ju 3 project and it'll be right there for you